0: Well, good morning, church family, and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'll be using the new Bible you gifted me for my 40th birthday. And if you are using the, one of the Bibles that we provide under the seats, you will find today's text on page 1. Page 1. I'm going to begin this time with a word of prayer, and then we'll consider our text together. Let's pray now. Our Lord, we do thank you for giving us a beautiful morning, a beautiful Mother's Day. Lord, we thank you for the gift of motherhood. We thank you for those whom you have called to fill this high office. And Lord, we pray your every blessing on our mother's, that you would give them the grace they need to do their important work. Lord, we think of those whose mothers have have already passed on, that you would comfort them in their grief today, that that this would be a day of sweet remembrance for them. And Lord, would you bless the time that we spend in your word today. Might you use it to, to help our mothers understand the great weight of the responsibilities they bear, but also use it to give them some practical tools that can help them in their work. Lord, this time is yours, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So many years ago, a pastor's conference was held here in the States with about 120 in attendance, and the question was posed at this conference, how many of you pastors would raise your hand and say that your mother was your greatest spiritual influence? Do You want to guess how many of those pastors raised their hands? Yeah, it was over 100 of them. Over 100 of the 120 said mom was their greatest spiritual influence. That means more than 80% of the ministers. Friends, said I have been there, I would have raised my hand too. You see, I've had the, the blessing of a lot of good spiritual influences in my life, but surely my mom's influence has been the greatest of them all. But what can account for this? What could account for the fact that more than 80% of ministers attribute their greatest spiritual influence to their moms? Not to their dads, not to their own pastors, not to somebody else, but to their moms. What gives a mother such power over her children? Well, friends, I think the answer is clear. It's because God has willed it to be so. God has willed it to be so. That is to say that God, in His infinite wisdom, has seen fit to place godly mothers at the very center of His purposes, such that the lion's share of His work in the world is being routed through them. And I believe it's been this way from the beginning, which is why I've asked you all to turn with me to the first chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. This chapter, of course, gives us the Bible's creation account, and today we're going to look at verses 26 through 28. This gives us the account of the creation of mankind. We learn a number of important things about the human race from these verses. First of all, we notice the special dignity assigned to the human race. Let's begin in verse 26. It reads, Then God said, Let us make man, man's being used generically here, For humanity, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So this is the special dignity that human beings possess. Unlike anything else in all of creation, we human beings are made in the image of God. That means we were created to relate to God in a special way. We have a a nature that corresponds to God and that also makes us unlike the animal kingdom. Specifically, God has given us spiritual capacities and and moral and intellectual capacities, which are fundamentally different from the rest of creation, and enables us to enjoy a relationship with God. This is our special dignity. Then we look at the second part of verse 26. Here we see the special authority assigned to mankind. It says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, So because human beings are made in the image of God, they have been given authority over the rest of the creation of God. Our task is to serve as God's vice regents in the world. We, we exercise responsible stewardship over it, under the authority of God and for His glory. Then we come to verse 27. Here we find that there's also a key distinction within mankind. It says, So God created man in his own image. Okay, You notice here we've moved from the divine deliberation now to divine action. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And now here's the distinction. Male and female, he created them. So God creates one race. It's the human race. He creates all human beings in the image of God, giving them that special dignity. He gives to all human beings this special authority to exercise their dominion mandate. But then he also has this important distinction within the human race, male and female. In Genesis chapter 2, the scriptures give us some additional details about the distinction. In that chapter, we learn that male and female were created at different times. The man was created first, and then the woman. We also learn that male and female were created through different means. The first man formed out of the dust of the earth. first woman formed out of the material of the man. And then we also learn that male and female were created with different bodies, different temperaments, different roles, all summarized in God's statement, Quote, I will make man a helper fit for him. Or we could translate that a a companion who corresponds to him. So so Eve was made in such a way that, that her body, her temperament, her disposition, everything about her would be different from Adam's, but it would be different in a complementary way. So that together they could accomplish things that they could not do apart then we come to Genesis 1, verse 28. Listen to what it says here. It says, And God blessed them. And here's the blessing God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now, here we have the institution of the family. God has created a man, He's created a woman, He has brought them together as husband and wife, and now He tells them, Go have kids. <laughs> Build a family. And it says that this family life is a blessing from God. Now, in most popular movies and TV shows today, the single life is the one that is idealized. Of course, God does call some individuals to a life of singleness or to a life of marriage without children. But the scriptures also assign great value to family life. Scriptures teach us that, that the good life is not found in being out there on your own, supposedly being able to do your own thing, go your own way, act however you want to act. No, no, the really good life is the family life. Finding a spouse, settling down, putting down roots, getting a mortgage and then having kids, and then spending your lives Raising those kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that is the good life. God created family life to be a source of joy, happiness, and fulfillment for both the man and the woman. And friends, it's also within marriage and family life that these differences built into men and women becomes most fully manifest. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 20 now, we see the distinction beginning to play out. It says in the man, that's Adam, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. So Adam gives his wife a name because God has given to Adam the responsibility of leadership in his family. He names her Eve, and Eve means something like life giver. So Adam recognizes the unique role that God has given To his wife. She will be the life giver. The life giver. That's basically a mother's role in the family, isn't it? She is the nurturer and facilitator and the supporter of family life. For the first nine months, she nurtures her offspring within her own body. And then for many months after that, she will nourish that offspring from her body. And then she will spend the best years of her life supporting and developing her children so that they grow up to know and love the Lord. That is her job. Her job isn't just to provide for the physical needs of her kids, but also the spiritual needs. All of that is is embedded here in the name Eve. Notice she's called the mother of all the living. Eve was the first woman redeemed by the grace of God. She had sinned against God. She had come back to Him in repentant faith, redeemed by His grace. And she would therefore become the mother, the spiritual mother, of all the redeemed in fact, the scriptures show us that it is through her line that the Messiah himself would eventually come, the one who would secure the redemption for all people. And so here was Eve, the first wife, the first mother. She is she is the progenitor of all the living. And then we come down to Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 and we find Eve's delight in fulfilling her God-given role. Look what it says here, now Adam knew his wife Eve, of course a euphemism for physical relations, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived, and she bore Cain, saying, now listen to the excitement in her voice, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. With God's help, she has given birth to a healthy baby boy. Her family has been established. This is the role of a mom. She is called by God to marry, to settle down, to bear children, to nurture those children, to care for those children with the best years of her life, to see them growing up to know the Lord. Now, moms, I hope you appreciate this amazing privilege that God has given to you. It is the privilege of working with God to bring new image bearers into the world, and then to help those image bearers to come to glorify God with their lives. That is your job, moms, and that is the great legacy that you leave behind, a living legacy of people who love the Lord. Moms, it's a great task. It's a holy task. It's also a very daunting task, isn't it? I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's words in the New Testament Scriptures. He says, who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient to to fulfill the job of a mom? Well, friends, God has given you this assignment, and God will give you all the resources that you need to do it well. With the remainder of my time today, I would like to offer you just a few simple, practical words of advice from the scriptures that I hope will help you to fulfill your job well. I want to show you today how you can raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I will have five points of counsel here. First point is this. Moms, if you would nurture your kids in the admonition of the Lord then first, first, you must cultivate your own Christian piety. So if you want your kids to be godly, you need to start with you, making yourself, with God's help, a woman after God's own heart. See, moms, your example is extremely powerful. You are the person that your children will see the most. They're going to hear from you the most. They're going to look to you the most. They're going to learn what it means to be a a grown-up, to be a woman, to be a member of the church first and primarily from you. And so if you want your kids to grow up and to love God and to take all the responsibilities upon them that God would have them take, then you must be a godly woman that they can look to So what does this mean for you? Well, it means becoming a woman of prayer. Becoming a woman of prayer. A woman who is known for seeking private communion with the God of heaven a woman who is known for seeking out God in in private worship, someone who who comes to God confessing her sins, someone who comes with, with thankfulness to God for all of the responsibilities and privileges that he's given to her, a woman who comes to God interceding on behalf of her husband and kids. Become a woman of prayer. Seek that communion with God and Through that, God will help you to grow into the kind of woman He would have you to be. But then, moms, it also means becoming women of the Word. Women of the Word. Women whose hearts have become copies of the Scriptures. Women who are soft in voice, but rock hard in their convictions. Women who know what is true and false, what is right and wrong, what is beautiful and what is ugly, and who are ready to bring those convictions to bear in her parenting of her kids. And it means becoming women of charity. We read about this in Proverbs 31. It says the godly woman extends her hands to the poor. That means she sees those less fortunate than herself, and she is moved with compassion to help them, to give them uplift. Moms, it means becoming women of the church. Moms, let your children see your love for Christ's church. Let them see you waking them up early in the morning on Sunday, dressing them in their Sunday best, carting them off in that minivan to to church, and then sitting down, let them hear you joyfully singing the hymns to God. Let them see you, happily giving to the work of God. Let them see you volunteering your time and your energy wholeheartedly. Let them never hear you complaining that the sermons are stale or the people are uninteresting or the hymns aren't your your style. Instead, let them see you working to make your church family the most vibrant and healthy church family that it can be. Moms, do you want to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Then start with your own heart. Cultivate your Christian piety. And then leverage the influence to the glory of God. Let your kids benefit from that example. That's my first word of counsel. My second is this. Moms, also don't be afraid to use your God-given authority. God-given authority. You see, the scriptures are replete with commands to children to honor and obey their parents. Well, behind those commands is also the truth that God has given to parents real authority. God doesn't just give to you the title mom, in other words, but he gives you the responsibility, the authority that comes with the title And God expects you to use that authority in the raising of your kids. He expects you to use it to lead them in the way that they should go. And so moms, don't hesitate to use that authority. First, moms, use your God-given teaching authority. Together with your husbands, open up the Christian scriptures with your kids and teach them what the scriptures say. Teach them what you have learned about the true and the good and the beautiful. Help them to understand the storyline of the Bible and then how all the parts fit together. Do your part to instill in them a holistic Christian worldview. Spend structured time with them in devotions and then unstructured time as you casually interact with one another about spiritual things. But use that teaching authority. Together with your husband, also teach them the wisdom that you have learned from life. Because you see, you're many years older than your children are, and you've done a lot of things that they haven't done. You've made mistakes, and you've also had your victories. Well, take all of that and teach it to your kids so that they can avoid your errors and so that they can repeat your successes. But teach your kids the way they should go. But then your authority goes beyond just teaching, moms. You also have executive authority. And if you are to raise your kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you must be willing to use that God-given executive authority. That means together with your husband, establish rules in your household designed to develop your kids into godly adults. Have rules about your children's speech, for starters. Explain to your children that in this household... There are things that you cannot say to your siblings, to us, to any of your other elders, to any other image bearer of God. Say to them, there are other things that we ought to say to others. Make rules for speech, rules for behavior. Kids in this household, we do these things. We do not do those things. Give your kids chores at home. And increase the number of chores as the children age. Because you see, we want to raise our children to become strong, independent adults, adults that are capable of being good husbands and wives, and moms and dads, and leaders of local churches. Well, they've got to start learning to bear responsibility early. So give them chores to do. Moms, give them rules about entertainment in your home. This is where so many parents fail. It seems as if from the time our kids can open their eyes, we've already got a screen in front of their faces. It's a smartphone screen, or it's a tablet screen, or a computer screen, or a television screen, or a movie screen. We've got screens in front of their faces, and we're spending very little time supervising what they're seeing on these screens, But what they're receiving is having a spiritual impact on their lives for good or for ill. Your kids are also listening to music, the music that you play in the home, that you play on your radio as you're driving around town. Then they'll pick it up on their own later in life. But your kids are being bombarded every day by amusements. Did you know that a child, most children... Most children have already watched an explicit video online by the age of 11. How is that setting them up for marriage and family life? Parents, we have got to pay attention to our kids' entertainment choices. We need great supervision. We need to have rules in our households where we say, look, kids, we will not entertain ourselves in this household with violence with explicit content, with greed and sinful anger. We'll not entertain ourselves with material that glories in godlessness. No, we're going to entertain ourselves with wholesome things, things that will build our character. Set a priority, set limits for your kids' entertainment. And then set rules about participating in the local church. Explain to your kids that in our household, we center our lives on the local church. When the church's doors are open, we're going to be there. And we're going to give, and we're going to volunteer, and we're going to be an encouragement to our church family, and we're going to learn from our church family, because that's what we do in our home. And then, moms, together with your husbands, you're going to develop consistent And proportionate disciplinary measures to correct your children when they violate the rules. Because, you see, laws that are not enforced are not laws. They're suggestions. And the thing about kids is that kids rarely follow their parents' suggestions. So you need to pair the rules with appropriate disciplinary measures to enforce the rules. The book of Proverbs, we're told that to spare the rod is to spoil the child. We're also told that he who spares the rod hates his son. Sometimes I'll hear parents say, I just can't discipline my child because I love them too much. Well, you're contradicting the scriptures. The scriptures say, no, you love yourself too much if you can't discipline them. You love yourself too much. You're trying to avoid confrontation that you don't like. You're trying to avoid difficult conversations with your kids. It isn't that you love your kids too much. We must, parents, we must pair the rules with consistent discipline. If we, have, if, we, if we want to have any hope at all of raising our kids to know what is godly and what is sinful, to learn that there are bad consequences for bad decisions, this is the only way. So moms, first, cultivate your own Christian piety. Second, use that God-given authority. Now thirdly, may I counsel you to also give your children both quality time and quantity time with you. Quality time and quantity time. I say you need to have both because your kids need to be around you a lot if your influence is to wear off on them. You need to be with them a lot. But it can't just be like you and your kids vegging on the couch together, watching a common screen. No, that's not profitable time. You need time of real, real meaningful interaction with your kids. Now, moms, this is going to require some sacrifices on your part. I understand that. There are going to be times when you just want to take a nap. And instead, you're going to have to be on the ground, on your hands and knees, playing with your kids. There are going to be times when you've got your own... Books that you want to read. Instead, you're going to be reading the children's books. There are going to be times when you would love to just get out of the house altogether, go spend a weekend with your friends, and you can't because your kids will need you. There will be times when you would really, really like to be at work, but instead, you're going to have to be home cleaning out the throw up bowl for the third time that afternoon. It's hard. It's hard to be a mom. But moms, if you will do this, the payoff will be enormous. So many of the social problems we have today are owing to the fact that our kids are basically raising themselves today. Isn't that true? We send them off to day school, then to preschool, then to kindergarten, then to grade school, and then when they come home from school, we do our thing, they do their thing. They're off in their room, they're off vegging in front of a screen. They're raising themselves No wonder, no wonder our youth are so confused and aimless today. Moms, they need you. They need dad too, but they need you. They need your time, your attention, your love, your help, your example. Moms, think of the long-term impact you can make on your kids if you will just invest the best years of your life into them. If you'll play with them and talk to them, And if you'll read with them, and not just the silly stories, although there's a place for those too, but to read real, substantive, thought-provoking material to your kids. And don't think your kids are too young to understand or appreciate it. They will. You know, my son and I had finished reading all the narratives of the whole Bible before he was six years old. Right now, he's seven years old, my daughter's six, and we're reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Seven books. And they love them. They love them, especially my son. I got my, permission, uh, my son's permission to tell this story, but a, a few days ago, after reading a couple of chapters from, I think, the third book in the Narnia series, he, he got off the couch, he went right to his craft cupboard. And he pulled out the cardboard and the construction paper and the tape and the styrofoam. And he made himself a sword and a shield. And they were cool. And he made himself a helmet for his head. And he made a spear that he could throw. And he went through the house looking for evildoers to slay. And Who do you think got to be the evildoer? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but see, the stories, the stories, they sparked his imagination. And they taught him moral truths, that that righteousness is worth fighting for, that evil is worth opposing. And so he got to work to do his part in our house. Spend time reading with your kids. Do chores together. Eat breakfast together. If possible, share your dinner together. Moms, if we would raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we must do nothing less. In fact, this takes me to my fourth word of counsel now. Something else we need to do, we need to tailor our mothering to our children's individual needs. If you have more than one child, you know how different they can be. They differ in ages, they differ in temperaments, they differ in gender, and you need to, to parent each one of your kids according to their specific specific need. So when they're young, they're going to need a lot more hands-on attention. They'll need more supervision. As they get older, they'll need to bear more responsibilities with some more casual oversight. Maybe your child is very stubborn. They might need some extra parenting help from you to, to teach them the sinfulness of that. Or perhaps they have a really sensitive conscience. Maybe they're followers by nature, and so you'll need to teach them to build up their courage to be leaders in this world. Maybe you have a boy and a girl. You know, boys and girls are different from one another. They're going to grow up to become men and women and to fulfill different responsibilities. So moms, take those little boys and and develop your strategy for how you are going to turn this young boy into a man who can lead a family and a church and make an impact on society. What does that little boy need to grow up and be that kind of a man? Figure it out, and then how you're going to train him. That little girl, one day she's going to grow up to be a woman, and God might call her to be a wife... And a mother herself to have a meaningful place of service in the local church and in society. What does she need to cultivate that? How do you, how do you shape her, her femininity so that she becomes the kind of a woman that God would have her to be? You see, you must tailor your mothering to your children's individual needs. And then my final word of counsel, we must also, moms, resist the urge to be indulgent with our kids. Here's what I mean by that. A little recreation might be good, but we don't want to encourage a lifestyle of laziness. A little junk food might be nice from time to time, but we don't want to encourage gluttony. A few toys can be fun, but we don't want to train our children to expect instant gratification. There may be times when it's appropriate to overlook misbehavior, but we certainly don't want a pattern of negligence such that our kids are never corrected for sin. See, moms, this is what it's going to take to raise our kids as God would have us to do. It's going to take personal piety and then being willing to use our God given authority, teaching and executive authority. It's going to require the investment of tremendous amounts of time and energy. It's going to require us to deal with each of our children as individuals, tailoring our parenting to their individual needs. And it's going to require us to resist the temptation to be indulgent with our kids so that they will learn godly self discipline. This is your great task, this is your privilege. As a mom, And if all of this seems overwhelming to you, remember that God has appointed you to this task, and God has all the resources you need to do it well. Motherhood was God's idea, and God will help you to thrive in this role. God will give you His grace, and through His grace, He will cultivate within you all of the spiritual fruit that you need to be a good mom. Things like patience and gentleness and kindness. God will work those in you. And love and joy and peace, everything that you need to be a good mom, God will cultivate in you if you are taking the time to have private communion with him, to learn from his word. In fact, that is his second resource, his written word, all the wisdom that you need to be a good mom is contained within the scriptures. It's all there. It doesn't matter what problem you're going to confront. It doesn't matter what, what thing your kid is going to come to you with. The wisdom for handling it is there in the scriptures. And if you don't know where to find it, then talk to one of the pastors of the church or a, an older Christian in the congregation, and they will help you to see where the wisdom is found for your particular need. Hopefully you also have a godly husband who can help you. One that can help to shoulder part of your load. And dads, if you're out there, especially to teach your kids to honor and obey their mom. Your mom shouldn't have to demand that her kids respect her. She should have a husband who is demanding that his kids respect her. Dads, you can make your mom's job easier in that way. Moms, remember, you also have your local church to help you. You've heard the expression, it takes a village to raise a kid. Well, moms, look around. Here is your village. This is it. This is an extended family available to you. Here in this church, you have older believers and you have younger believers, people that can help you with the wisdom that they have have learned, younger ones who can help with babysitting. You have all the help you need right here in the local church. And by the way, church family, we need to help our mothers, especially the ones with really young kids, because they're tired and they need time off. And so if you love Children, and you can, you can take uh, a child and, and babysit for just a few hours' time. Offer that to, to the young moms in our church. And when they want to take you up on it, you can have the joy of taking care of that little one for a little while while she enjoys maybe going to the salon or maybe getting the grocery shopping done without the little one pulling everything off the bottom shelves. You have all the resources you need, moms. You need only to seize them. Now, as I prepare to close, I do want to say a word to moms who believe that they've not done a very good job so far. Let me say something to you, moms. Maybe it's true. Maybe you've not been a great mom so far. Maybe you've not been a godly woman. Maybe you've not given your kids the time that they need. Maybe you've shirked important responsibilities. Maybe you've not taught your kids self-discipline. Maybe you haven't been the mom that, that you should have been. Well, listen to me, discouraged mother. There is no need for despair. Because Christ's death and resurrection cover parents' sins too. They cover your sins too. And if you will go to God confessing your failures as a mom, God will forgive you. And he'll wipe your slate clean. And then you can make a new resolution that you're going to follow the scriptures. You're going to do what the scriptures would have you to do, which is to say what God would have you to do. Even if your kids are already adults, you can say, beginning today, with my adult kids, I'm going to be the kind of mom that they need me to be. The kind of mom that they need me to be at this stage in their life. And moms, I believe that God will be pleased to bless that new resolve. I believe he'll use it to accomplish some good in your kids' lives. But then for you moms who are tired and weary, but you are doing a great job Moms, keep it up. Just keep it up. Your persistence will be rewarded. If not in this life, then in the life to come, God will look at you and say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. Well, let's pray together now. Our Father, we thank you for those women whom you have called into the high office of Mother And Lord, it is a daunting task. So, would you please supply them with all of the resources that they need? Give them an extra measure of your grace. Give them a desire to be in your word that they might learn the wisdom contained therein. Lord, prompt this church family to come alongside our moms, to help them, to to relieve the burden that they bear. Lord, your word tells us that if we will train our children in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Lord, we know that's not a promise, it's a proverb. But we still cling to it. And we trust, Lord, that over the long haul, you will use our godly parenting to produce a harvest of spiritual life. And you give us children who will impact the world for your name's sake. Lord, please give these moms joy in their work. Lord, might it be a delight to them. Help them through the hard times of motherhood. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.